This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea. When your skin glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion, to provide results you can feel. Glow from the inside out with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. It's 1.04 a.m. and we are wrapping up this year's Oscars. Everything Everywhere All at Once won a number of top prizes, including Best Picture and Best Director. And three of the film's actors won Oscars, including a historic win for Michelle Yeoh. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Stephen Thompson. We are recapping the Oscars on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place, your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Joining us today are our fellow Pop Culture Happy Hour hosts, Linda Holmes. Hey, Linda. Hey, Stephen. And Glenn Weldon. Hi, Glenn. Hey, pal. There is no question as to the biggest winner Sunday night. That would be Everything Everywhere All at Once, which took home seven Oscars. It won Best Picture. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert won for Directing and Original Screenplay. Jamie Lee Curtis won for Supporting Actress. And Ki Hui Kwan won Supporting Actor. Michelle Yeoh won for Lead Actress, making her the first ever Asian winner in that category. The film also won Best Editing. Obviously a huge night for a movie all of us loved. If you haven't seen it, it's a big-hearted science fiction action-adventure about a Chinese immigrant who, while being audited by the IRS, learns she's the key to an expansive multiverse. Let's talk about these wins. Linda, let's kick us off. I was so happy for this movie. I'm very proud to have said should win and will win for Everything Everywhere <laughs> All at Once when we had our Oscar special. I was delighted for this film. I was delighted for Michelle Yeoh. You know, we talked about the fact that 16 out of the 20 acting nominees were first-time uh, nominees. All four of the acting winners, as it turned out, were first-time nominees. Michelle Yeoh and Kiwi Kwan, I think, are such a good example of such completely different first-time nominees. And to me, that's part of kind of what this movie is, is it's a whole bunch of different big-hearted cool stories. So I kind of thought it was fitting. I loved this movie, and I loved seeing the Daniels having kind of gotten this reputation for making really weird movies and coming in and making a really weird movie and winning a bunch of Oscars is just good for the industry. Yep. Team Weirdness. I'm here for Team Weirdness. I'm also here for Jamie Lee Curtis, who uh, got her first win. And she thanked uh, the people who've been following her all these years in her genre pictures. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that, too. To all of the people who have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands 
of people. We just won an Oscar together. Yeah, to imagine that the turn down for what directors <laughs> wound up winning an Oscar, multiple Oscars. That's very exciting. And, you know, we we have talked about how all of these movies or a lot of these movies that were nominated were sort of celebrated for bringing people back in the theaters. And the fact that we were able to get a movie that brought people back to the theaters, but also was original and wasn't based on a pre-existing universe that makes me so happy and I'm, I'm very glad that this happened yeah i think that's a really important point to make this was not a film based on pre-existing intellectual property and so many of the movies that have brought people back to theaters are i also think just looking back on the night and why the telecast felt so satisfying to me i think one of the reasons is that so many speeches were for the people who made this movie and this is a movie about being glad to be there Sometimes you watch a lot of speeches and they don't necessarily seem fully invested in the emotion of of the moment. I just found so many of these speeches so big hearted. I really came away from this night particularly loving the Daniels, who directed and wrote this film, and gave several enormously warm and kind and gracious speeches. Well, my incredible son, Gio, you rearrange my DNA every day and it's awful and beautiful every single time. Um... <laughs> If you ever watch this, I hope you know that uh, you should never have to live up to this standard. This is not normal. This is kind of crazy. I will love you no matter what. Um, And that wasn't the only great speech to come out of this movie. Michelle Yeoh, who made history as the first Asian actress ever to win Best Lead Actress, gave a gorgeous speech. I mean, that, that was such a huge moment. This is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. Never give up. I was so happy for this moment. I was a little nervous at first because it seemed like the Oscars was going to do another faux pas like it did the year that Chadwick Boseman was suggested. Mm-hmm. We all thought he was going to win, and then Anthony Hopkins won, um, and they saved it for the end of the night. And here they had Halle Berry, who is the only other woman of color in this category to win that award. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she was set up to present that award. And so I was like, oh, no, is this going to be another moment like that? And then when it, that didn't happen, I was like, oh, this is lovely. It just spoke to really how much love is in that entire production, that everyone who got up there was just so, so happy to be there. It was really, really sweet. And also Kiwi Kwan, who won for Best Supporting Actor, his speech was gorgeous. This is somebody who understood the sheer scope of the moment and how far he had come and the journey that he took to get there. My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp. And somehow, I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. Yeah, it hit the exact right balance between obviously prepared, but very much in the moment, very much Mm -hmm. alive. And he wasn't the only one who was expecting to win because the producers were expecting him to win. Because at the end of the night, when Harrison Ford hands out the Best Picture statue, we get a little reunion of these two who haven't been uh, in a film together for 39 years with Temple of Doom. And with Kiwi Kwan also, you know, the number of people who can get away with unironically referring to the Oscars as Hollywood's biggest stage, (laughs) that's a real small number. And let's face it, they went into this evening heavily favored to win – 
uh, several categories, and they did, and usually that's a recipe for boring, but um, there was some suspense here tonight because another film, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, kind of tricked us into thinking it might be that film's night. So we got we got a little, little bit of everything. That was fun. Yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front did win four awards on the night. It won Best International Feature, Cinematography for James Friend, Production Design, and Original Score by Volker Bertelmann. The Inception score never won an Oscar, so this is the first uh, film ever to win Best Score in the genre of Bwah! <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Linda, it's what did true. you think? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that this movie did as well as it did. Even for awards, I was surprised. The ultimate result in some ways of the combination of how much Everything Everywhere won and a good haul for All Quiet on the Western Front was that, you know, that was part of why several really big, potentially, at least at some point, major contenders for big awards, Tar, Elvis, Banshees of Inisherin, and the Fablemans, all went home completely and empty-handed. If you had told me when I saw the Fablemans that it yeah. would win zero Oscars, mm-hmm. I would be like, I don't believe it. There's absolutely no way. You know, I, for one, I went into the night thinking Austin Butler was going to win for Elvis. Yeah. Uh, he also went, you know, like every... But he also, with that movie, went home empty-handed. That meant that Brendan Fraser won Best Actor for The Whale, a movie I think it's safe to say that all four of us hated very deeply. I will say, in in Fraser's defense, (laughs) he elevated that movie from laughable to bad. (laughs) But (laughs) he did win. Uh, He kind of completed the Renaissance, you know, his big comeback. I um, started in this business 30 years ago, and... Things they didn't come easily to me, but there there was a facility that I didn't uh, I didn't appreciate at the time until it stopped. Yeah, it's easy to hate the game, which is this movie, and hard to hate the player because man, that was a great speech. I mean, like he he was just so present, so fully there, and he just feels like it's he's just got such a great story. Yeah, that uh, it's hard to it's hard to begrudge him. When it won for makeup and hairstyling earlier in the yeah. evening, I was like, oh, this is definitely happening. I, I had a feeling that Brendan Fraser was also going to take home the award because really these two things go hand in hand. And for really the entirety of the publicity stint that this has been on, it's been all about how many hours it took him to transform into this character. It's very disappointing um, just because, look, we already had a great episode where we dissected all of this in a conversation between Glenn and Guy Branham. Listing all the reasons why this movie has problems. Um, And while I'm happy for Brendan Fraser, this was very much not the movie he should have won for. But you know what? It is what it is. Oscar's going to Oscar. A movie that I, for one, really, really liked winning Best Adapted Screenplay. Sarah Polly won for Women Talking. What did you guys think about that? Love Sarah Polly, man. Yeah. She's so, she's so <laughs> talented and smart, and I loved hearing her talk. I loved her suit. She's just <laughs> rad. She's just rad. First of all, I just want to um, thank the Academy for not being mortally offended by the words women and talking, but so close together like that. I will always beat the drum for her. I was kind of surprised she took this, but I'm very happy. And she was able to make a movie literally about women talking and women talking just kind of mostly in a barn for two Mm -hmm. hours. 
And I was riveted the whole time. And I think the adaptation of the the original book, it's just so well done. And I was so happy for her. Yeah, there's a musicality to the language in that film that uh, it kind of reminds you of, of Iabic pentameter, just the way they speak. It's a heightened form, but it's a very immersive form, too. Loved it. And she's a great story, too. She was basically a child actor, and now she's this cerebral filmmaker, which, again, is just a really good reminder that Many of the things Hollywood does are horrible, but every <laughs> once in a while you do see somebody who found a good way to navigate it. Yeah. And among other things, that movie looks terrific and it sounds terrific. It's got a gorgeous, gorgeous score that I really think should have been nominated. Speaking of movies that look and sound great, RRR won Best Original Song. I think this was largely expected for Natu Natu. Uh, it also meant we got to see a production of this song, which was really probably the moment I was looking forward to most on the night because I loved that song so much. I love that scene so much. It provided this huge jolt of energy in the middle of this telecast, which was great to see. Natu Natu is the first ever song from an Indian film to win Best Original Song, so you had a milestone on top of just the enormous satisfaction of seeing such a great song from such a great scene uh, take home this prize. This is probably a good time to acknowledge the other performances of Best Original Song. Instead of putting Natu Natu late in the telecast to kind of wake people up, they used it as an opportunity to drop some major star power into the later portion of the telecast. You had a performance by Lady Gaga of Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, which took this emotional maximalist song and made it kind of gritty and like extreme close up on Lady Gaga's face. So cry tonight, but don't you let go of my hand. By comparison, Rihanna, who performed Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that song in the movie is very kind of slow and minimal and quiet and she kind of dressed it up and they had an orchestra and a choir and kind of made that song bigger than it was in the movie which I which I appreciated. I thought both of those approaches were were interesting and kind of livened up those songs. Yeah, the Rihanna song especially, I'm not a fan of the song itself. I found it very sleepy, but actually seeing her perform it, I actually kind of liked it for the first time and <laughs> it was a very strong vocal performance she sounded yeah, really oh really gosh, good yeah. it was nice to see that see that that song could have a little bit of oomph to it in a way that the recording i think doesn't uh, another category, costume design. Ruth Carter won for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. She is the first black woman ever to win two Oscars. She also won for the first Black Panther. Great moment. I want to make it clear that when I say blurg, that's to the fact that she's the first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blurg. <laughs> yeah. I was happy to see this. There were very few Black people on that stage winning. I think Ruth Carter was there one were. of the only. And it kind of made up for the fact that Angela Bassett did not take home the Oscar, which was a sad moment. I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis should have. But yeah, it was nice to see this happen. Ruth Carter has been doing so many great things for decades now. And the fact that she was able to do this again, it just speaks to how talented and also how much her peers really love her and really understand 
her craft and all the dedication that she puts into it. Right, because you saw them giving their, her a, a standing O and you saw her receiving it mm-hmm. with the spirit that it was offered. And that was great. Yeah, and she's one of many people. I feel like this is a really big Oscars for talking in detail about your parents. She mm-hmm. talked quite a bit about her mother who died recently. Thank you to the Academy for recognizing the superhero that is a black woman. She endures, she loves, she overcomes. She is every woman in this film. She is my mother. I felt like that was a theme of the night. Like, not in the usual, like, I want to thank my mom and dad, but, like, people telling really heartfelt stories about their parents and their families and the people who teachers. Take, took care of them. Teachers. One of the Daniels did a whole run of of teachers from his youth. It was lovely. Lovely. Agree completely. And one more shout out for Ruth Carter. I mean, it is really notable that she won for Best Costumes for two different Black Panther movies, which gives you a sense of how distinct the costuming in the second one was from the costuming in the first mm-hmm. one. And that is yeah. that is remarkable when you consider in Marvel movies how much kind of visual branding goes into it. To still find creativity within that is, is a remarkable accomplishment and a great, great win. Best animated feature, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This was kind of expected, but a, a lovely moment for him. Yeah, a great speech where he says animation is cinema. It is not a genre. I don't know how many people need to hear that in the year 2023, but some do. And it was great to hear. Agreed. Best documentary feature, Navalny. That also gave uh, an opportunity for some real emotion. Alexei, I'm dreaming the day when you will be free. And our country will be free. Uh, Stay strong, my love. Thank you. It's not the film I would have picked out of that field. But at the same time, anything that is about something that is still so much in the in the news in terms of the Russian opposition and Navalny's still being in prison. Yes, it is emotional. And the, the movie is interesting for sure. Best visual effects went to Avatar The Way of Water. I think that is very much what was expected. Uh, Best sound went to Top Gun Maverick for its only win of the night. Still a good showing for that film, getting all those nominations. Yeah, Tom Cruise uh, knew there was no point in showing up. uh, As as, as Jimmy Kimmel cracked at the beginning of the the night. But yeah, good good for Top Gun. Yeah, the the Spectacle movies won the Spectacle Awards, and I thought that was fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, uh, Aisha, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Kimmel. What did you guys think of the kind of the telecast as a whole? Not just the job that he did hosting, but kind of how they were able to keep this telecast on rails, maybe compared to previous Oscars. I got a good and I got a bad on Jimmy okay. Kimmel, right? <laughs> Here's my good. He made one joke that I really did think was quite funny, and it was about Tom Cruise. Everyone loved Top Gun. Everybody. I mean... Tom Cruise with his shirt off in that beach football scene. L. Ron Hubba Hubba. You know what I'm saying? Now, see, that's solid. That is a solid joke. Stupid, but it's solid. It has the appeal of being goofy and mocking, but not mean, which I think is great. Here's my negative on Jimmy Kimmel. Dear Jimmy Kimmel... Nobody cares anymore about the Matt Damon thing. (laughs) I am exhausted. Never do it again. That is my only complaint. (laughs) This is what you'd go to Jimmy Kimmel for to do this. This is exactly what he did. Dependable, not exactly low energy, I would say, but certainly chill. 
he had a few good lines and he had one moment where he just, he doesn't learn the only rule that Oscars teaches us, which is crowd work in a room full of very nervous people who mm-hmm. are incredibly self-involved and, and conscious of how they're coming <laughs> across will never pay off. It is comedy death. We did not get a lot of meaningless montages, you know, salutes to the movies, but we did get filler, a bunch of filler. We got an ad for Little Mermaid. We got an ad for Warner Brothers. We got an ad for the Academy Museum and the same, the same rundown of like the Student Academy Awards we always get every year. But that, I thought it, you know, I thought it worked. I thought he kind of came in for a landing, you know, just 40 <laughs> minutes later than it should. <laughs> yes. But I mean, look, 1140 is not that bad. No, it's not. It's, right? not. it's not. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was totally fine. He did what needed to be done. He made all the jokes that you must make about how long the show is going. And that was really his only running joke. And of course, he did reference the slap about like five times too many. But, you know, I think overall, like Glenn said, even though there were ads and whatnot that I don't think needed to be there, overall, it felt as though this was a show that learned from its mistakes from last yes. year. We didn't have the <laughs> the dreaded audience awards where people <laughs> had to vote for them ahead of time. Well, the Flash didn't enter the Speed Force in 2022, so why yeah. bother? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we and like we didn't have like musical performances that didn't really make sense. We didn't have that. It wasn't overly. Uh, there wasn't a lot of spectacle, and most of the banter between the guests was kept to a minimum. So mm-hmm. I think overall. It was a show that celebrated the movies, but it didn't feel as though it was celebrating itself too hard, which is really hard to do because it's the Oscars and that's what they do. But I felt like compared to previous years, this was pretty chill. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was basically fine. He was kind of just like holding the show together when it needed to be held together. But they didn't take out the Oscar clips. Remember when they would, when you'd have like a three and a half hour telecast and they just wouldn't show you footage of any of the performances? Mm, They gave you rich textured clips that gave you a sense of what these movies were like. That is so important. And so I really appreciated how this telecast held together. Yeah. And, you know, he did a little bit of crowd work, but you did not have anybody trying to convince you that Glenn Close spontaneously started doing debut. (laughs) (laughs) As a a very big fan of that song, (laughs) I still enjoyed that bit, but I hear you. Although they did play off in terms of playing off people who were giving their speeches. Like, oh, yeah. it was weird that some people got to go on for as long as they wanted. And then others, like the visual effects people, <laughs> got mm-hmm. got played off and they got the cane and, you know, the tomatoes thrown at them, whatever. <laughs> what I noted on Twitter was that it was, it was unevenly distributed. Yeah. And there were people who got played off a lot more quickly than others, which... Uh, was not a good look. Yeah, I think it's hard to do because they try to find a good spot Mm -hmm. to play you off. And very often that happens when they switch from one person over to the other person if there are two winners. But if they jump the gun, that is painful when that happens, especially because it tends to favor whoever talks first, which Mm -hmm. is usually the guy Mm -hmm. in those situations. (laughs) They're looking for a good spot. I don't think it's malicious, but I don't think they see themselves doing it, being like, well, this is a handy place to just cut these people off because, well, they probably don't care, you know? Yeah. I kept thinking they were going to play off vocal Beltelman when he won for original score for All Quiet because, you know, that's in a Hans Zimmer school of Blom. But his affect was so chill and soothing. I just wanted him to keep talking so I could fall asleep. It was great. Is that your ASMR, Glenn? I guess so. I guess so. It's vaguely German accent saying very soothing things. Well, I think we can agree 
Uh, we are all very, very happy for everything everywhere all at once. Definitely. And that on balance, this was a good show. Yeah, it was. I think they tried to have it be a really super normal Oscars. And I yep. think they basically pulled that off. Very few Safe. gimmicks, very few tricks, very standard. Yeah. Came out fine. Well, we want to know what you think about this year's Oscars. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Aisha Harris, Glenn Weldon, Linda Holmes, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Mike Katzoff and Ramel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow. The economy right now is bewildering, impenetrable, inconceivable. Not when you have the indicator of podcast in your ears. In under 10 minutes every day, we simplify the complicated news like... How does inflation drop? What the heck is a SPAC? Why are trendy little high-fiber sodas suddenly dominating store shelves? And more. Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Today, people are working to innovate and do more in their workdays. But coming up with fresh ideas and quick responses can be tough. Introducing Grammarly Go, a product offering personalized generative AI communication assistance that will change the way you write. With just a few clicks, Grammarly Go can ideate, compose, and rewrite thoughtfully, accelerating your productivity and unlocking your creativity. Go to Grammarly.com slash go. When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less. The Indicator from Planet Money, your friendly economic sidekick. From NPR.